the prayer request. Y'all remember my wife and I, tomorrow the uh, EMTs are going to honor our son Josh in Homer, Louisiana. So we're going to go there and, and, and be in that service with them. So if y'all would remember us, God's helping us. God's helping us. And I'm thankful that we serve a God that will do just that. He's so good to us. Thank you all for being here tonight. I know many of you could be doing a lot of different things, but you chose to be here, and it's not something that we take lightly. We, we, we're so thankful that you all would come and be a part of this service. Those of you that are viewing us on live screen, thank you. Live stream. Stream. I said screen. Live stream, thank you for being with us tonight. It's not something that we take lightly, you know, for you guys being being here to watch us and all that. And we, we certainly love you guys, and we, we're going to make it together. We're going to make it together. You know, this thing that we walk called life, many, many different things happen. And sometimes you, you wonder why, you know, you wonder if God loves us and if he's with us and if he's going to take care of us. If we, we wonder, you know, when we go through things, why that, why did God let this happen to us? And, you know, I was listening to the news the other day and a 12-year-old kid was killed by somebody running from the police, 12 years old. And, you know, all the different things. This young lady that was just killed day before yesterday, yesterday. And all the things that happen in life, you, you, you say, well, Lord, I, I've done it right. I've, I've got this right. I've, I've done that. I'm a, I'm a faithful church participant, and I have a prayer life, and I fast, and I give, and yet still things happen. But folks, that's just life. That's just life. And tonight, what I want to talk to us about is God loving us. Even through all those things, God loves us. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. Thank you, Brother Murphy and Brother Murphy, <laughs> for letting me come and, and share my heart with you tonight. It's not something I take lightly. I love doing this. I love doing this, and we're going to have a great time. If you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 3. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, and uh, John 3 and 16, and we'll, we'll read John 15 and 13 also. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. I want to title this, this teaching tonight, this sermon lesson, Loving the Way Jesus Loved. Loving the way Jesus loved. And I want to go into a little detail about how Jesus loved and how much he loves us and all that. So we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to have a good time. I want to share something with you. I like to read. And I've got probably way too many books. 
And my wife fusses at me all the time about put the books up and why the book on the bed and why the book's here. And, you know, that's just, all right, that's just me. I get in trouble with that, you know, and I'll, I'll do better. I'll try to do better. But she fusses at me sometime about leaving my books here and there and everywhere. And then when I go back to look for them, I can't find them. So she said, well, if you would just put the book up, you'll know where it's at the next time you want it or need it. And she's right, so I can't argue with her. Don't you hate it, men, when your wives are right? My God, they're not supposed to be right, you know? Not in that, not, not when it comes to... All right, y'all understand. But I want to talk to us a little bit tonight about loving the way Jesus loved. And I want to share this story with you. Aaron lived in the Chicago area and prayed that the Lord might give him a significant ministry. He wanted to serve in a Christian organization or in a church staff, or, but nothing ever turned up. After weeks of praying and searching, he found nothing. So he resigned himself to, to finding any job that he could. And he began driving bus in Southside, Chicago. Aaron's route took him through a dangerous section of the city. Gangs would board the bus and refuse to pay. They would taunt him as well as the other passengers on the bus. This went on for several days. Finally, Aaron spotted a police officer standing at the bus stop. He reported the gang members and the policeman made them all pay their fare. But then the policeman got off the bus and the gang members stayed on. After the, after the bus was out of sight of the policeman, they assaulted Aaron. When Aaron regained consciousness, there was blood all over his shirt, teeth missing, his eyes were swollen, his money was gone, and the bus was empty. As Aaron recuperated at home from his injuries, his resentment against God began to build. He was willing to serve God in ministry. He prayed for an opportunity to serve. And this is how God thanks him for his willingness and dedication. On Monday, Aaron pressed charges. And with assistance from the police and witnesses, the gang members were rounded up and arrested. After hearing Aaron, at the hearing, Aaron walked into the courtroom with his attorney. And the thugs glared at him. When the gang members pleaded guilty to the charges, however... Aaron stood up and asked for permission to speak. Your Honor, I would like for you to total up all the days of punishment against these men. Then he continued, and I requested that you allow me to go to jail in their place. Okay? Just stick with me here. The judge was stunned. Both attorneys were stunned, but most of all, the gang members looked at him with wide-eyed amazement. The judge ruled him out of order and told Aaron that this sort of thing had never been done before. Oh, yes, it has, Your Honor. Yes, it has, Aaron said. It happened over 19 centuries ago when a man from Galilee paid the penalty that all mankind deserved. He said, yes, I... I beg to differ. It did happen. It has happened before. 
Aaron went on to speak how Jesus died for our sins to bring his love and forgiveness to everyone. The judge denied Aaron's request, but Aaron visited his attackers in jail. Most of them became Christians, and so began the significant ministry that he had prayed for. You know, we pray for things, and we don't know how God's going to answer them. But are we willing, no matter what the answer is, to say, okay, God, you got it, I'm yours. You got it, I'm yours. If there's one truth more than any other to which I deeply wish to convey tonight is that God loves us. The one and only deity, the infinite creator, the one who holds the winds in his fist, makes the clouds, and whose almighty arms embrace the infinite starry expanse of the universe, loves us all. He loves us without exception. God loves all races, creeds, and colors indiscriminately. And yet, He loves each individual distinctively. God so loved the world that He gave. And church, I'm extremely excited about what God is doing in this church in this time. There's no greater time to be part of the church than right now. That we can be a part of what God's doing for such a time as this. And you know what? God is wanting to do, He's wanting to just blow our minds. But you know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen when we love like He loved. You know, we're going to get people in. I've seen churches in revival, and they get people in off the streets and perhaps homeless people and all that and people that are not clean and their hair is not cut, they're not the best dressed, and nobody wants to really walk up to them and hug them and tell them, hey, thank you for coming, I appreciate you. But you know, we're going to get people like that. And we've got to love those people like God loved them. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't shy away from those people. He embraced them. He embraced them. And folks, if we're going to have the revival that we really want to see, then we're going to have to embrace those people as well because they're coming. They're coming. It, It may just be me, but I see us having to add more chairs to this thing. And, you know, within a couple of years, I see us maybe having to knock out walls or, 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 you know, because they're coming. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm sold out to it. It's going to happen. Hey, the last two Sundays, God moved so much, we, we didn't even get a chance to preach. And if that's not a testimony of what God's wanting to do, then, folks, we better wake up. But I want to show you how much God loves you tonight. It says he loves us without exception. God loves all races, creeds, and colors indiscriminately. And yet he loves each individual distinctively. God so loved the world that he gave. When that wonderful truth grips your mind and you gratefully respond to it, your whole life and your whole outlook 
on life will be dramatically transformed. Just because of us knowing that God loves us. The one that spoke this world into existence. Can you imagine that he would love somebody like me? That he would just, he could have anything. He could do anything. He could love anybody, but he loves me. And I think that's an awesome thing. That God loves you. The God that spoke this world into existence, he said, let there be light. He's the one that loves you. He loves you. He died for you. And folks, if we're going to have the revival that we want to see, then we're going to have to be giving. We're going to have to be loving. We're going to have to walk up to people that perhaps don't smell that good and hug them. Because you know what? There's so many different people out there that need that. I recall a story of a, of a man that used to go to church with us years ago. He moved out to Crowley, Louisiana. And he was looking for a church. Didn't know what he was going to do. Church people came walking down the street knocking doors. And they knocked all around his house. Never, never knocked on his door. And I can still see this man telling me, he said, Brother Wheeler, he says, at that point, I wondered if God loved me. He says, I even questioned. I said, hey, God, am I worthy of your salvation? Am I worthy of your salvation? Am I worthy of your love? Because they've knocked every door around here, but not that one. But not my door. And you know what? We go through things in life, church. And God, why do I have to go through this? Do you love me? Why do I have to deal with this? Hey, I have to be transparent with you. In January, when my son got killed, I said, Lord, why us? Why us? But you know what? i got to be a big boy. Why not us? Why not us? You know, if it wasn't us, then maybe it'd be somebody else. So why not us? We want things in life. We want, a, we want revival, but we don't want to go through anything. We don't, we don't want to walk up to a person that, that's bad and, you know, a drug dealer or, or, or a gang member and tell them, hey, you know what? God loves you. We don't want to have any part of him. We don't want to say nothing to him. Because we, we may be afraid of the consequence. But folks, I come to tell you tonight that we serve a God that's bigger than anything we ever go through. He's bigger than anybody we'll ever meet. He's bigger than that. And God won't let us go through things. He promises He'll be with us. That's a promise. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's a promise. But you know, if we'll just trust him in those things, then we'll see that God can do great things. But you know what? It may take a little bit of us getting out of our comfort zone. We may, may just have to walk up to him. You know, let me, let me tell you about the Lord. And, and you know, you don't have to get into a big Bible study with them. The Bible says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Just tell them, you know what? Hey, I understand what you're going through, but you know what? I went through that too, and God delivered me. God took care of me. He sent me to a great church. Why don't you come visit? That's all it takes.
That's all it takes. All of life will take on a new meaning. Your mind will be renewed. There will be a new song in your heart. It will put a new calmness in your spirit. You will experience rest for your soul even during hard times. The love of God to all men everywhere is the pinnacle of biblical revelation. Let me read that again. It says, The love of God to all men everywhere is the pinnacle of biblical revelation. Everything else has to come up to that. Jesus Christ is the peak expression of it. The cross and His shed blood is the intense focal point of it. The glorious fact of whosoever will may come is a glorious outflowing of it. I'm talking about Calvary's love. It's bigger than our biggest sin. It forgives transgressions that are too numerous to count. It gives release from the heaviest burden of guilt. Calvary's love sought us, but Calvary's blood bought us. Calvary's love sought us, but His love bought us. Praise God. If there's... It was there on Calvary's hill on sorrow that sin's demand were paid and, and it was there on the cross of Christ that the rays of hope for tomorrow across our paths were laid. Infinite love caused the heartbeat of God to, to pound the most stridently at Calvary. Divine love for mankind caused the pulse of God's only begotten Son to cease on a tree. But three days later, His unquenchable and undying love raised Him from the dead and caused him to ascend into the heavens to be seated at his own right hand. I don't know any better news to tell you, church, than this. God loves us. He loves us. The idea of a God who, lo- who gives all without condition and loves us all equally, just as we are, is incredible, but it's true. Romans 5, 6-8 sums it up this way. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us even while we were yet sinners. I can't tell you how long He's loved us. But I can trace it back 2,000 years and show you a stable, a manger, shepherds, wise men, Gethsemane, a whipping post, and a cross. I can take you and I can show you that. And that's proof that he loves us. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will pay over... He will joy over thee with singing. Beyond that day, He loved you and me. When He formed us from the dust of the ground, breathed into our nostrils, and man became a living soul. He loved us when He placed us in a beautiful home called the Garden of, uh, Garden of Eden, where He visited us every day. Even before the foundation of the world, He was the lamb for sinners slain, the Bible says. He loved us that much. How much does he love us? Ephesians 3.19 said, and Paul wanted to know this. He said, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. What a paradox. It says to know 
the love of God which passes knowledge. How about that? You might say, how much does he love me? I don't really know. But it was enough to cause him to lay aside his regal robes of splendor and allow himself to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He loved me enough to trade the majestic throne of his eternal kingdom to be suspended on a rugged cross. It was enough to exchange his royal diadem for a crown of piercing thorns. Enough to trade a kingly scepter for a common walking stick. Enough to quit living among unceasing worship from the holy seraphim who guarded his throne to endure a a mob that screamed, Crucify him! Crucify him! He loved us that much, church. I say that's a lot. He gave up heavenly manna that he might fast 40 days and be hungry. He left the pure river of water of life to come and cry, I thirst. He gave up the innumerable army of mighty angels that he might come and be alone in Gethsemane and pray until his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood. He loved us that much. He loved us that much. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He came to where we were in order to bring us to where he is. He gave up rest for no place to lay his head, church. You talk about a loving God that would do all that for you and for me, for people that really didn't deserve it. Praise God. He came to where we were in order to bring us to where he is. He gave up rest for no place to lay his head. He who was adored and reverenced subjected himself to be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, as it were, hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But you know what he did? He just kept right on loving us. He just kept right on loving us. You know, when we messed up, he said, oh, I love you. You know how it is when you got, I, I got this grandbaby. That little fella, I'm going to tell you what, it's, we should have just had grandbabies first. Okay? But I can remember a time when my wife and I was doing a catering order at the house, and Tayden and Travis and Shamika were there, and the baby got tired. He was just whining and so Travis said, well, Dad, I'm going to lay him, go lay down in your bed. I'm going to put him to sleep. Okay, go ahead. Now, 15 minutes later, Travis, I hear this voice, hey, Dad, come here. So I goes in the bedroom, and I said, what? What's up? Tayden told him, said, Daddy, I want Papa." And that's what he wanted. He wanted Papa. He didn't care about none of that other stuff. He didn't want to hear, he didn't want to lay there with Daddy. He wanted Papa. And, you know, I mean, that, that, just, that just melts your heart. And to think that the God that spoke this world into existence feels that way about each and every one of us. That's an awesome thing. But I kind of remind him of that. Hey, you want Papa? Papa's coming, you know. I, tell you, I got in a lot of trouble because of that grandbaby. But, you know, it's worth it. You know, what can you say? 
He came to where we were in order to bring us to where he is. He gave us rest for no place to lay his head. He who was adored and reverenced subjected himself to be despised, despised and re- rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He, he was despised and we esteemed him not, but he just kept on loving us. He loved us enough to be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastised and whipped for our peace, and to pay the price for our healing. He loved me enough to pour out his soul even unto death. He loved me enough to be numbered with the transgressors. He loved us enough to bear the sins of all, and he made intercession for all the transgressors. He loved us enough that in the days of his flesh he prayed all night, many nights, and a great while before many of his work began. I can't fully tell you how much he loved us, but enough to cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved us that much. It's broader than the, than the ocean, deeper than the sea, longer than time. It's stronger than death. Death cannot contain it, cannot destroy it. Song, Song of Solomon 8 and 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man will give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. And to think that God has been manifested toward you and me. Oh, what love, what boundless love God has bestowed upon us. It's no wonder, it's no wonder the Apostle John, who moved in a circle of love, cried out, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love, what manner of love. John 15, 9 through 12 says, And the Father have, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now listen to this. Loving the way Jesus loved has no beginning. His love has no ending. It's forever and it will endure eternally. Loving the way Jesus loved, church. This is the the point. Loving the way Jesus loved is the only way we're going to ever affect our families, our church, our communities. The only way we'll ever be able to do that is to love the way He loved. And I've just given you a a myriad of, of, of ways that He loves us. And if we'll love Him that way, we won't, Sunday come, we won't have room for everybody in here. We'll have to sit out chairs along the sides and we just won't have enough room for it all. Because church, People are looking for somebody to just be genuine and love them. And love them. I remember the testimony of a young man that I've known years ago. And he was telling us about when he was living behind Circle K. He didn't have anywhere to go. And he would see people come with their families and all, you know. And they would see how much they loved each other and cared for each other and 
and did things with each other. He had nobody. And when somebody finally reached out to him and said, Hey, you know what? I love you. God loves you. Let me tell you about God. That just made all the difference in this man's life. Because somebody took out time to say, Hey, I love you and I, and I care about you. You know, I don't think a lot of you know about my testimony and how I met my wife. I met my wife at her house. My uncle asked me to go somewhere with him. I said, sure, I'll go with you. We went to Port Allen, and he was going to see his, his girlfriend, which was her aunt. And he said, you come ride with me. I said, all right, I'll go. I, I wasn't doing nothing anyway. So I went, and he was talking to Camilla. And my wife just come walking out of her bedroom, you know, and she, had, she, she just had that walk, you know. She had rollers in her hair. I said, ooh. I said, man, she's nice. <laughs> so I said, hey, introduce me to her, you know. And he did. And I'm, I'm going to let you in on a secret. When she saw me, that was it. It was over. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe it took a little more than that. But it was pretty much over. I want to believe that, you know. But, you know, and, and, and I, I can remember, you know, standing out in her, her, her front yard, you know, up against her car, and she gave me that first kiss. So, oh, my words. I was in love, I'm going to tell you. I said, man, I, you ain't going nowhere, girl. I'm going to marry you. And listen, when I finally proposed to her, it was a mistake. I think she and her mom set me up is what happened. They cooked this big, nice sweet potato pie, sister. I love sweet potato. I don't know how she knew it at that time. But she cooked this nice, big sweet potato pie, and I, and I cut it, and I got some. And, and I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to marry you. And that's all it took. I really didn't mean it. But hey, I'm glad I did now. Let me tell you that now. <laughs> I hope somebody else have another spare room in their house tonight. Because <laughs> I might need it. <laughs> but it was the best thing I've ever done. And just to know that she loved me. That just means everything to me. I can face whatever comes knowing that she's with me, she's on my side, and she loves me. And folks, if we're going to affect our world, if we're going to affect our church, then we're going to have to love like Jesus loved. We're going to have to be willing to go up and shake hands to some people that maybe we're afraid of or, or, or maybe repair some things that we've done with people. We, we may have to say, hey, look, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. We may have to do that. You know, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. If we wrong somebody, just go up, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I messed up. I have to do it all the time with my wife. She doesn't do it to me, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm digging a deep hole here, brother. <laughs> but you know what? 
My wife and I have been married for 34 years, and she knows I love her to death. I, w- I would die for her, and she knows that. And I know that I can pick at her over the pulpit, and it'll be okay. But if you've been married for two or three years, I don't advise you to try that. You know, some things just gets better with age and over time, you know. That's one of them. But just to know that she loved me and that she's with me makes all the difference. Loving the way Jesus loved is the only way we're going to ever make a difference in our world. Church, may I submit to you that maybe the church is not having the revival that it desires. Not winning the loss that maybe we should be. Because maybe we're taking for granted that someone else will love them like Jesus loved them. Think maybe we're taking that for granted, the church. I, I, I want to do more for the kingdom of God. I, I want to be all that God wants me to be. And I sure don't want to be a stumbling block and, and, and not have somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and not get baptized in Jesus' name because of me. I want to move me out of the way for the greater cause, for the kingdom. That's what it's all about. I've got a man that I work with, and um, he went to a church, and he was hurt deeply in that church. He went for a month straight on Sunday mornings, and maybe two, three people at the most, he said, talked to him. And... This man today will not go to church. He wants nothing to do with church because he was wounded. He was hurt by somebody in church. Folks, let's love people like Jesus loved them. It's the only way we're going to win them. It's the only way we're going to affect them. And you know what? My wife and I used to do a bus ministry years ago, and we used to go to Scotlandville, and we used to pick up kids in there. We'd go in on Sunday mornings, and we'd get in there, and we'd comb the hair, and we'd help get them dressed, and we even had some of them tell me, my mama said, I'm not, she's not here. I don't know how she told them that, she wasn't there, but, but we'd go in, and we'd get them dressed, and we'd do a bus ministry out there, and we, we got that bus ministry up to like 75 kids on Sunday morning, you know, and there was nothing greater than that. There was nothing greater than that. And as long as we, uh, and some, some parents even started coming. There was a lot of kids, but some parents started coming. But as long as we picked them up, they would come. But when we stopped picking them up, they stopped coming. And folks, if we can love them like Jesus loved, if I had known that back then, Maybe some of them would, would still be here. But if we can love them, if we could just love them, if we could, could, could stop looking at their faces and, and say, well, you know what, this person's got a bad past or, or this person's got this in their, their closet and you know what, I'm, how are you doing, that's it. If we can love them, then they could perhaps come and they would stay and they would live for God because that's what we want. We want them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We want to see them living a holy and overcoming life. But if the church don't love them like Jesus loved, then we don't have much chance of keeping them. We don't have much chance of keeping them. 
and I'm running out of time, and I'm only halfway through this lesson. But if we can love them like he loved, then certainly things can be a lot different. The church can look a lot better if the church would love like Jesus loved. Loving the way Jesus loved is truly the only way we're going to make a difference in our city, in our church, and in our ministry, in our lives, and in our world. The only way we'll make a difference in this hurting, bruised, bleeding, broken, diseased, confused, prodigal world is loving the way Jesus loved. Love is so amazing and so divine demands my all. That is why he was so careful to, to define the kind of love that he would give us. John 13, 34, and 35 says, Jesus said a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another just like I loved you. And by this shall all men know that you my disciples, if you love one another as I have loved you. If we would love the way he loved us. You know, when I first came to God, you know, I was baptized in my house, in my bathtub. My grandfather, you know, gave consent to some people doing a Bible study, just walking down the street, trying to find somebody to do a Bible study. My grandfather was the type, he'd say, yeah, come on, I'll have all of them there. He'd have us in the Bible study, he's sitting outside reading the newspaper. Grandpa's privilege, I guess. But my wife was baptized in my mother's, my grandmother's bathroom in her nightgown in her bathtub. We were just that hungry for God. We didn't want to wait. We didn't want to wait. And folks, there are still hungry people out there that don't want to wait for this thing, that are looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that's real. Somebody to love them like Jesus loved us. And if we can do that, then we can certainly have a revival that we want. We can have the revival that we want. We've got to start doing this for two hours on Wednesday nights. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. I want to, I want to end with this. The author is unknown. I like stories. And this one's a good one. Y'all going to like this. The title of this one is Burned Biscuits. Burned Biscuits. It says, when I was a kid, my mom liked to make breakfast food for dinner every now and then. I remember one night in particular when she had made breakfast after a long, hard day at work. On that evening, so long ago, my mom placed a plate of eggs, sausage, and extremely burned biscuits in front of my dad. I remember waiting to see if, any, waiting to see if anyone noticed, yet all my dad did was reach for his biscuit. Smile at my mom and ask, how my day was at school. I don't remember what I told him that night, but I do remember watching him smear butter and jelly on that biscuit and eat every bite of it. When I got up from the table that evening, I remember hearing my mom apologize to my dad for burning the biscuits. And I'll never forget what he said, Honey, I love burned biscuits. I don't like burned biscuits, I'll be honest with you. But he said, I love burned biscuits. Later that night, I went to kiss Daddy goodnight, and, and I asked him if he really liked his burned biscuits. He wrapped me in his arms and said, your mama 
put in a hard day at work today, and she was real tired. And besides, a little burned biscuit never hurt anybody. Life is full of imperfect things and imperfect people. I'm not the best at hardly anything. And I forget birthdays and anniversaries just like anybody else. But what I've learned over the years is that learning to accept each other's faults and choosing to celebrate each other's differences is one of the most important keys to creating a healthy, growing, and lasting relationship. And that's my prayer for you today, church, that you will learn to take the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of your life and lay them at the feet of God. Because in the end, He's the only one that will be able to give you a relationship where a burnt biscuit isn't a deal breaker. Amen? We could extend this to any relationship. In fact, understanding that this is the base of any relationship, be it husband, wife, parent, child, or friendship, being happy doesn't mean everything is perfect. It means you decided to see beyond imperfections. Don't put the key to your happiness in someone else's pocket. Keep it in your own. So please, pass me a biscuit, and yes, the burnt one will do just fine. Don't let a burned biscuit be a deal breaker for you. Don't let somebody's imperfections be a deal breaker. Love them like Jesus loved. Get them in. Get them baptized in Jesus' name. Let God do a work in their lives. I've always been told that you can't clean the fish before you get them in the boat. Got to get them in the boat. Then you can clean them. Then you can enjoy it. So don't let a, a burned biscuit be the deal breaker for what God's wanting to do in somebody's life. And if anybody got an extra room tonight, text me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thank you all. You, why don't you stand? I so love this church. I so enjoy speaking to you guys. Um, when I get up to preach, I'll preach a little differently. But... Sometimes on Wednesday nights, I, I kind of enjoy cutting up a little bit. But we get the point across. We get the point across. I want you to know, you're fine people. All of you, you're fine people. God loves you. God's wanting to do a work in your life. God's wanting to use you. Don't let a burned biscuit be a deal breaker for somebody's salvation. Their salvation, their soul is worth more than that. God bless you all. You are dismissed.